Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Um, that's great. Before the kids leave for Children's Church, um, I want to give you, Dad, something. Okay? Um, John, uh, Jesus' good, good friend, wrote this. I want you to think about it. Take a look. I have no greater joy, he wrote, than to hear that my kids, my children, are walking in the truth. And that's what we wish for you. That's what we pray for you. You're saying, how do I get my kids to walk in the truth? Walk in the truth. I can't even get them to walk to the hamper to throw their clothes in there. Well, that's what we're going to show you. But I need to borrow my friend. This is my friend. Turn around. This is Eden Williams. Uh, she is Eric and Kathy's daughter. And she's my buddy. And so I want to you to please help me show them something that my dad used to do with me and my three sisters. Okay, you need to hold my hands and step onto my feet. Okay, now you're going to stand there. Now, uh, I had three sisters, and with my sisters, my dad would dance, and with me, he would just walk. But you are a young woman, so can we dance? Yes. Okay, so here's the rules, though. I lead, okay? That means that you step where I step, and where I go, you go, okay? Shall we dance? So you put this hand out, and I'll grab you so you don't fall away. Okay, ready? If you know the song, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first love me. And that's, that's where we end. I have danced you into the arms of your real father. And now you can dance with him. My friends, that is a simple, simplistic picture of what we as dads do. As you lead your sons to walk as you lead your daughters to dance, walking and dancing in your footsteps, you lead them to their true Father in heaven so that they may walk and dance with Him. And how do you pull that off? While they're standing on your feet, while they're walking in your footsteps, you need to be standing on the feet of Jesus and letting Him lead. And when you do, when you do, and you make your great joy to bring your children to walk in the truth, then you will be the greatest dad. And I know you can do it. I love you. All right, that was for free. That does not count against my allotted time. Okay, kids can now be dismissed for Children's Church. Eden, you're a great dancer, but you stepped on my foot. So, you know, way to go, girl. Thank you for your help. All right. Mercy, you too. Keep her in line. All right. <clears throat> now, uh, just a program note. Uh, my mama and my baby sister Karen are visiting today. So, you have heard some stories about them. They don't know specifically which ones. So, I'm counting on you to be on your best behavior. Okay. Good. Here's where we're going. Welcome to the final week 
in our Hopeful series. Um, we have been talking about hope. Here's our question. How would your life be different if you had unlimited amounts of wisdom and endurance and encouragement and hope? How would your life be different? How, this is the question I want you to ask. Even if you would describe yourself as reasonably happy and upbeat, how would your life be different? If you had unlimited amounts of wisdom, endurance, encouragement, and hope, what pains from your past would you have avoided? I said pains from your past. I saw some of you go, what did he just say? What pains from your past could you have avoided? What, what blessings have you missed out on? Because you didn't have unlimited amounts of wisdom and endurance and encouragement. And hope. I mean, what if? I mean, how many times in your life have you gotten to the point where you said, I wish I knew then what I know now. I wish I knew then what I know now. Better yet, what if you could know now what you will know in 15 years from now? Or what if you could know now what you couldn't know even if you live 15 lifetimes? Wouldn't that be something? But sometimes what we're left with is, I wish I'd know. I wish I'd know. Wouldn't you like to not have to say, I wish I'd known next week, next year, in the next 10 years, the next 20 years? I wish I'd known. Unlimited amounts of wisdom, encouragement, hope lead you to great decisions, a great future. That kind of thing can take a bad day and turn it around and make it a good day. It can take a good day, turn it around and make it a great day. It can lead to a better and better future with better and better decisions. And that's what we want. And for those of you among us who are like me, who struggle sometimes with darkness and depression, I'll bet you can relate to this feeling of, of confusion and, and stuckness, right? That, that I take from one of my favorite songs. Take a look, see if you can relate to this. It says, when I don't know what to do. When, when I don't know what to say. When I don't know where to go. When I don't know what to think. You ever been there? Can you relate to that? I think there's two kinds of people, those who can relate to that and admit it, and those whose pants are getting really, really hot right now. Because they're on fire! Because you're a liar! We all live in this world probably more often than we'd like, right? When I don't know what to do, when I don't know what to say, when I don't know where to turn, where to go, when I don't know what to think. But what if? What if there was a gift that you could have that, that would answer all of those things? What if there was a, a gift that, that maybe you and I had left unopened for far too long and forfeited far too much, but it's still there and there's still the opportunity. A gift that keeps giving unlimited wisdom and instruction, and endurance, and encouragement, and hope. And what if you and I could discover that gift this morning? 
Well, the Apostle Paul was an authority on this gift. And he's going he's gonna to show us something through his writings. And we're going to take a look at that. Um, we're in uh, Romans chapter 15. Take a look. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. Paul writes, For whatever was written, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. Our, you're part of that our, right? For you, for me, was written for our instruction, our wisdom, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. That whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Oh, there's so much there. Now, if you have a, a physical Bible with you, I'd ask you to just, just pick it up and hold it. I'm, I'm not talking about your phone, and, and, and I use that too. It's, it's a great resource, um, those Bible apps. That's great. But if you have a physical Bible, just pick that up. If, if you don't, that's not a problem. No worries. We've got tons of them underneath the seats. Just, just take one and, and hold it. I was just wanting everybody who wanted to, to just be able to hold one. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're not a Bible person. If you don't have any intention of following along with us, that's okay. If you don't have any intention of reading this, that's okay. Just hold it. I want you to, to run your hand over the cover. Just feel it. You open it somewhere in the middle. And just just touch the pages. Just just touch the pages. I don't, don't want you touching the table of contents. That's why I touch the middle. Right? But what if? What if what you're touching right now, what you have your hands on, is so much more than ink on paper? What if what if what you're touching has more power than anything you've ever touched? any engine, any person, any technology, anything you've ever touched, any firearm. This book is beyond enchanted. It has supernatural power between these covers. Inside its pages is a hidden universe that is vast and eternal. These pages open the keys to almighty God. This book is your passageway into a realm that is unseen, yet controls that which you do see. This is your invitation to have the God of the universe and all the spiritual realms be your closest friend and ally. And he invites you into a powerful and loving cosmic overthrow of all of creation. And that invitation for you lies within these pages. This is far more powerful and far more enchanted than any book you've ever thought about, heard, or imagined. This ancient document is dangerous and dominant. And those who read it have something happen to them. And those who ignore it have something else happen to them. And it contains all the instruction and wisdom and endurance and encouragement and hope that you will need for this exciting 
eternity-long journey. And that's what he's saying. Paul is saying in this passage that there are four awesome things that the Word of God, that Scripture provides to us. And the first is this. Take a look. The first is instruction. That's, that's wisdom. That's, that's for when we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know what to say or think. We don't know. And God does. And God tell you. In Jeremiah 33, 3, God makes this promise to Jeremiah, makes this promise to you. He says, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. How awesome is that? I'm going to tell you great and hidden things you have not known. Boundless, spectacular, secret things. Who doesn't need that? Isn't that exactly what you and I need for God to tell us great and hidden things? That means not only that we don't know it, but we can't know it from any other source. We need, you need to know great and hidden things that we do not know about our families, about our friendships, about our lives, about our health, about our work, about our money, about how relationships and and, and the universe is to work about who God is and who we are and how he wants to use us to bring us together and redeem a lost world and recreate everything as it was intended to be. Those are great and mighty and hidden things and great and hidden things about what you are facing and what you will face in the day ahead. How many times have we wandered out without that kind of wisdom? And God wants to provide that. I'm often asked by friends who are struggling. And they say, you know, I have tried praying and I pray quite a bit. And, and I just don't hear God talking to me. Why? And I almost always ask the question, how, um, how have you been doing with daily spending time in God's word? Listening to him as you read his word. And almost always the answer is no. Uh, I've not been really good at that. And that's leads me to say, well, maybe God is speaking to you, but maybe you just can't hear it. You're not putting yourself in a position to hear it. It's like somebody coming to me who is physically feeling weak and say, Tom, um, I just, I feel physically drained and physically weak. And I ask When was the last time you ate? And they say, oh, a week or so ago. Now, I'm no doctor, but I have played one at home. Oh, that's dirty. Now, I bring her Tylenol and and, and ibuprofen when she's sore. We have counseling for you. But if somebody comes to me and says they feel physically weak and they haven't eaten in weeks, you don't have to be a doctor to know. Eat something. You're not nourished. And in the same way, nourish yourself on the word of God. Let your spirit and your heart, your soul, eat and drink and be filled with wisdom and God in Psalms. How do we, how do I, first of all, how do I do do that? Uh, Before we move on, get up 15, 20, 
30 minutes early. Look, believe me, this is better than sleep. Better than sleep. I, I'm telling you. Get, and just find a time and a place where you can get away. Do the, Make this part of your routine, a non-negotiable in your life. You get along with your Bible. And, and, and something to write with. And just ask God, say, God, I need you to show me you. And I need you to show me what I need to know. And, and you just read, right? And you read until God speaks and, and hits you right between the eyes with something. And, and you won't have to ask, did he just do that? Because typically we don't have to ask if somebody just hit us across the forehead with a two by four, you just know, you just know. And, and, and when he speaks to you, just write it down so that you can review it, so that you can meditate on it, so you cannot forget it. And I guarantee you, if you will make this your habit, your way of doing life, God will speak to you so much so you're going to need a bigger notebook and your hand's going to hurt from writing so much and your pen will need to be replaced because it's dried out. That's what you did. And some of you are going, I, I, I look at your eyes. That's so hard. It's so hard waking up and reading that thing. I'm just asking you to read the word of God so he can show you himself and all the things you and I crave and need. This is not a sit down and don't get up until you eat your Brussels sprouts. Those of you who love Brussels sprouts, we have counseling for you too. But this is kind of the please sit and enjoy this delicious porterhouse steak with a side of Ben and Jerry's New York super fudge chunk. It's delicious. It's wonderful. So few people do it. So few people do it. And yet God says this in Psalm 32, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go when you don't know where to go. And I will counsel you with my eye upon you. He's not just watching over you. He is speaking into you. And Paul said that the word of God will give us instruction and wisdom. And the second thing it will give us is endurance endurance. How many of you know what it feels like to be running on fumes and you're ready to quit everything, right? If you work outside the home and then you have a family and you're exhausted and you're stressed to the max and you come home and maybe a spouse needs you or a friend needs you or a child needs you or, or, or a brother or sister needs you, somebody needs you and you're just ready to quit everything. And they need you, so you need this. Isaiah chapter 40, and God promises you, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, no effort, no energy, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men, that's like the young buff ones, right? The young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. God, through his word, longs to fill you with endurance so that you lose all your I quit. 
that you're not ready to give up. You're not ready to quit. You're not ready to throw in the towel on your future or your family or your marriage or your children or your finances or your health or your hope or your dreams or your faith or your church or your work or your anything. Say, because I have from the Word of God supernatural endurance to endure that which I could not otherwise endure. And you can. And you can. Take a look at this. Here's something just to remember. If you give up on reading God's Word daily, you're much more likely to give up on anything. Because Paul says that the Word of God and our time in it gives us instruction, it gives us endurance. And the third thing it gives us is encouragement. Encouragement. Oh, how many of you are like me and you are just starving for encouragement because it's encouragement. Uh, the opposite of encouragement is discouragement, right? When, when you feel like you can't and you shouldn't and you're unworthy and God would never and you can never and... If you are like me in any way, you know that discouragement leads to darkness, leads to depression, leads to despair. And this is how the enemy likes to work on me, on Tom. It's like God wants to use Tom to do something actually good. So let's discourage him. Let's discourage him. Let's discourage him. And you know what it feels like to be down and discouraged and looking at the can'ts and the shouldn'ts and the you can never. But Paul is saying that the word of God can encourage us and that encouragement can be stronger than any discouragement that we could ever have. And I point to uh, the, the first chapter of the book of Joshua. Take a look, pick it up in verse 9. God says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Now, we just need to pause there because there's a way to take this wrong. He's not commanding Joshua. Joshua is taking over, right? So he said, I can't do that. He said, yeah, I've commanded you to do this. So if I command you to do something, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go in you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to inspire you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover So have I not commanded you? All that stuff. So you can be strong and courageous. And he goes on, so be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. And Paul says something very similar in the 8th chapter of Romans, the 31st verse. He says, what shall we say against these things? Like all the things that are against us? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can stand against you? Who on this earth, what power unseen, what spiritual force, what all of them together can stand against you and God. You and God in faith, in the truth, are an unstoppable majority. Have encouragement. Have instruction when you don't know what to do. Have endurance when you can't take another step. And have encouragement when you can't believe that you can go and you can do and you can be 
all that God is calling you to do and be. And the last one is hope. And we have been um, talking about hope through, through this whole series for about six weeks. And all the time I've wanted to share with you this scripture. It's from Zechariah. It's just, it's just very cool. From the ninth chapter, um, the twelfth verse. It says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Oh, isn't that, isn't that delicious? Like prisoners of hope. We are prisoners of hope. Um, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. That's God's word of and, and God is showing us three awesome and stunning things in this. Number one, he's showing us your destiny. You're created to be a prisoner of hope. You don't have to go on being a prisoner of lies, a prisoner of your past. You can be locked in hope and you, you can't get out your direction. There's a direction you need to ha- take. It says return to your stronghold. Your stronghold is the one who is strong, who holds you. And that is your God. Return to your stronghold. And the result is I have bigger plans for your life. I'm going to return to you double. I'm going to take care of you. I have big plans to live in and through you and to use you in this great, loving overthrow of the cosmos, taking it back taking the world back, our neighborhoods, our families back, transforming them into what I created them to be. And we have instruction and we have endurance and we have encouragement and we have hope. But there's one thing, there's one thing that we've got to do if, if we ever venture into the word of God, that if we don't do, this will all be for naught. Okay, we have to remember that this book is not a book about rules. It is not a book about rules, ultimately. It's a book about relationship. And so if you have been avoiding the Bible because you're not into a checklist of of rules upon rules upon rules, this is your book. Because ultimately, everything about it is about relationship. I see somebody rolling your eyes, Tom. It's a book. I can't have a relationship with a book. That would be creepy. Oh, so it's not creepy to have a relationship with your phone or your remote or your game controller or your mountain bike or your fishing rod. Creep a little bit in this direction. Let me, let me just show you one thing and then I'll let you go. Hebrews 4, um, verse 12, starts off with this awesome claim. For the word of God is living and active. How can this book be alive? How can it be living? How can it be active? How can it be in motion? How can it be working? How could that be? Well, the Apostle John, who we mentioned with the Father's Day little blip that we did, was Jesus' BFF. He was his wingman. And he starts off writing his gospel in the most awesome way. Because you have to know that John's original readers were Jewish. So he starts his gospel with these three words. Take a look. In the beginning, right? 
Now, all of his Jewish readers by then would have been hooked, right? Because when they read that, they realize that the first three words he's using are the first three words of the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created and the earth. So they're stoked, right? But John is about to throw him a curveball. He says he's going farther back before the creation of the heavens. And he writes, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word, what's that word? Was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made hang. On a second, John is writing as if the word has a personality, as if the word was a person. And then he delivers the knockout punch. Verse 14, John writes this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about here? Yeah, you're in church. You always guess Jesus. You'll get an A, I promise. I'm trying to help you here. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh that if you could take this and somehow fashion this into a person, who is pre-existing, whose nickname is the Word, would be Jesus. That when you and I, in spirit and in truth, encounter the Word of God, we encounter the Son of God. And that's what makes this so awesome. Take a look at this. Bible's the only book that every time you read it, the author shows up. Try doing that with Dr. Seuss. Don't work. Bible's the only book that every time you read it, the author shows up. And you encounter Jesus. You encounter the one who, who made you in love, who made you for love in his image, for loving him, right? But any love requires freedom. And we didn't use that freedom that we sang about. We haven't always used that for the best. We haven't used that freedom to press into God and love God. You, me, everybody has used our freedom in one way or another to create separation, to create relational distance between us and God, us and other people. And the Bible calls that sin. And God loved us so much. We, we meet the Jesus who came to do mission to say that relational distance that you've caused, it's only going to grow. And over an eternity, it will be complete separation from God. So I'm intervening. I am going to live the life that you wish you could live, but you can't. And I'm going to die the death that you deserve, that that separation deserves... I'm going to take all of that rebellion, all of that relational distance. I'm going to put it on myself. I'm going to die in your place on the cross for your sins. I'm going to heal that relational distance. I'm going to forgive that sin. 
all that you have ever committed, all that you are committing, everything that you would think about committing. I'm paying for it all to bring you and me into harmony. You'll receive me and I'm going to reign. You see, I have a kingdom and I want you to be a member of that kingdom even as you walk in this world where I reign and the rules are different and love is the commerce and hope and faith as you live and rejoice under my rule and reign and invite everybody because I'm taking over. I know it looks like I'm not sometimes, but rest assured I am and I want everybody rescued. I want everybody redeemed. I want everybody recreated. That's the God that you meet. That's a God that's revealed. So take a look at this picture. If it's true what they say, that, that Jesus is God taking a selfie, then your time in the Word is Jesus FaceTiming with you. You need it. You need it. When you don't know where to go, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to think, He does. He does. And He loves you. And He wants to show you who He is, what He's doing, and how He wants to use you in it. But don't just take my word for it. Listen to these words from one of our Bethany friends. I have suffered with depression most of my 50 plus years. I remember as a very young person feeling blue a lot, but I did not understand. At 12, I tried to commit suicide with pills. I think looking back, it was more of a cry for attention but I did really not want to live. I did not know why, though. My life wasn't that bad. I accepted Christ when I was 14, and I felt peace like I'd never had before. It was so great. But the darkness remained in my mind. Again, I attempted suicide at the age of 18, and thankfully wasn't successful again. I began to think that maybe God had a plan for my life And he was sparing me for a reason. But the darkness remained. I got involved with in-depth Bible study at about 28 years old. After being married about six years and having two beautiful children. This was life-changing. And the answer. Not depression. Not suicide. My heart and mind began to be transformed by the washing of the word. God and his word are the answer to the darkness and remain to be to this day. God is God and he is bigger than the darkness. I still struggle almost on a daily basis and have to be brought back to the truth of his word consistently. And if you are struggling like me, Turn to God and his word. He is faithful and he will meet you there.
in John chapter 5. Jesus speaks those who have some biblical knowledge, who try to do religious things, but are missing him. He writes this. This highlights the need for relationship. It says, you search the scriptures. You own lots of Bibles. You've listened to lots of messages. Because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it's they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And that's what he's inviting us to do. To come to him that that we might have life. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know where to go, and you don't know what to think. God does. And he loves you too much to not want to tell you. If you don't think God ever speaks to you, you've been touching, you've been holding the evidence that for all of your life, he has sent you a daily text message. Will you read it? Will you respond to it? It's a gift. Don't go on saying, I wish I would have known. Because you can. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for showing us a way to you. Thank you for providing for us your word. Thank you for instruction and endurance and encouragement and hope. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that that even now through the power of your word, Lord, you are saying, some of you have refused to come to me and find life. Lord, I'd ask for for those of my friends who who say that that was to me, that they would know that you only point that out because you want them to come to you and find life. Lord, that they would have the courage that you would pour out your spirit on them and they would say, yes, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm coming to you for life. Otherwise, all the right living, all the religious understanding, all the, all the services, anything, is pointless. Lord, um, I thank you that you have people who love you, Lord. This isn't a guilt trip and we're not trying to talk about what has happened or what hasn't happened in the past. This is about, Lord, what we want to commit to doing from this day forward pressing in and communing with you and seeing you in your plan and your wisdom and your truth through your word. Lord, that's what we want to do. Change us. And we thank you. We thank you most of all for Jesus, the word made flesh and all that he's done to bring us hope and life. In Jesus' name, amen.